Hey everybody, welcome to episode 112 of Making It. I'm Bob Claggett, here with Jimmy DeResta. Good morning everybody, I have a nice deep voice because we're doing this early. And, very white, I mean David Pachuda. <laughs> hey guys, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, we're recording early because our schedules got all messed up this week. So we all recently got out of bed. <laughs> and sound a little lower than normal. Most of us have pants on. <laughs> That's right. Most of us do. We won't say which one doesn't, but his initials are Jimmy Duresta. have to turn the camera <clears throat> off to make the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. I, I would appreciate that very much. Wow. Sorry, I get the giggles. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, what are you, other than sleeping, what are you even up to, Jimmy? Um, I, uh, moving a little bit at a time, you guys, maybe some of you guys have seen my recent blog moving and my theory is I got a few months actually truckload every week, one truckload of the heavy stuff every week. And, uh, Bob, I'm taking your suggestion. I'm going to leave a lot of the, the fodder that consumables materials and stuff. And then at the end of it all, I'll see if anybody wants to come and take whatever's left over, including some equipment and stuff that I've just have redundancies in and, uh, we'll see where it goes. You know, I'm trying to keep optimistic instead of feeling overwhelmed. You know, people uh, are asking me, is this, is, is this crazy? Is it crazy to move? I'm, I, li- I, I literally just have to pick stuff up, put it in my truck, and put it in a different location. And as long as I keep doing that, eventually the place will be empty. I just got to keep up with it. That's all. And uh, besides that, I, I've been able to – I did my like – what I'm calling my three-way bandsaw stand – I did a little Instagram movie on the introduction of the idea, and it's for my next LinkedIn video. And I now that I got my plasma table up and running, and we haven't talked since the crazy snowstorm, right, in New York? Mm-mm. And no, no. Yeah, the torchmate Lincoln sent the tech out to fix that machine because that machine, I think we, me and the tech were talking, he thinks it might have been on the set of Iron Man 3. Because when I asked Lincoln that I wanted a torchmate table, they said, uh, they could give us some time, and then they came back to me and said, we have one that's out that we're going to get back. It's on the set of a movie, and once it's done, we'll send it to you. And that's the one that I got in October. And I tried to turn it on recently, and the software wasn't working out. So they sent the tech out, and I said to him, I go, you know, it's going to be a crazy snowstorm tomorrow. He goes, it's okay. So I don't mind. And uh, this guy, Matt, came out. So he came out Monday night here in New York. It wasn't snowing uh, last Monday. And, yeah, it was a week ago, right? Was it a week ago? No. I can't even remember what day it is. What's today? What's today? Uh, 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 Wednesday? <laughs> Wednesday. Oh, so yeah. it was a week ago, I think. Anyway, he came out and he came out the day it wasn't snowing and he came to the house and worked on the machine. You know, he was giving me some training on how to use it and stuff. And then he went back to his hotel and the night, that night, the major snowstorm hit. And so he and I were trudging through the snow all day Tuesday and Wednesday to get the machine up and going. And we got it going. So right away, I was like, I got to use the machine for a project for Lincoln. And I came up with this idea about this bandsaw stand. So if you have like a a metal cutting bandsaw, it just basically takes this framework so you could stand it on either end. And then it has like a cantilever so you could make it into a chopping bandsaw with a little apparatus on the table. And so I just this now published that onto my Patreon just while we were hanging out here a few minutes ago. And I don't, we'll see how that goes. It's a little, it's a little uh, kind of... It's a, it's a little conceptual. We'll see. And I made it, and it's been in the shop. And mm. yesterday, I picked it up a couple times and actually cut stuff with it. And the, the best thing about it is that it stands on its head. So it's always standing in the room. You ever have one of those metal cutting bands that just flop all over the place? There's no easy way for it to stand in any direction. 
It's just it's like a, yeah. it's like a, a caucus of like a big giant fish. You, like you pick it up and it flops everywhere. It doesn't stand <laughs> anyway. And that's the one thing that always annoyed me about it. It has a hook on it, so if you're on a construction site, you could hook it like in a framed wall. But that's not really convenient in a shop environment. You got to like dedicate a space somewhere for it. And if you're not near that hook, you got to kind of walk all the way over to it. Um, so I worked on that, and uh, today I think I'm going to start my core video right after we get off. I'm going to go over to the lumberyard. I have a concept uh, that has been in my mind for a long time. It's not complicated, and it's not groundbreaking, but it's, it's finally have opportunity to do something. And uh, to years and years ago, I was driving around the city, and there was a big dumpster on 21st Street. And I just peeked in the dumpster, and the dumpster was full of these metal bins. Apparently an old factory was closing. And they threw out these bins. They're like little job bins. Like obviously they must have been used to go at different stations. And they had bins 18 inches by 16 inches by 4 inches deep. And I had as many as I can carry on my Vespa. That's as many as I have. I could have taken a dumpster full. But I took a stack that's like they, they nest pretty tightly. Kind of like plastic cups because they're thin gauge metal. So I took a stack that's about 18 inches high. So I have about 30 of them. 40 of them. And they're all over my life. If you come into my shop environment, you see things in them everywhere. So I'm going to make a bin wall that carries those. So it's going to be a wall. And it's something I wanted to make from the beginning of that, finding those in the garbage almost 15 years ago. So now I'm finally going to do that. So I have really long-term trash picking plans. They, they never go away. <laughs> so can we talk about um, <clears throat> the video that you put out about the ammunition plant? I know you had to take it down. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. So uh, he, he put up a video. The, you, can, you can tell everybody about it. Go ahead. Yeah. I, uh, when I was in Louisville last week and Bob, um, I, when uh, next time you visit Louisville, remind me, I'll hook you up with the guy. It's a great place to go to. Um, I was invited by a guy. It's not in Louisville. It's near Louisville. And he said, come take a look at this place. He described it to me a year ago through the email. And I called him when I was nearby, and on the way out of Louisville, I stopped at this place, and it's incredible. And he was more than happy to show me around the whole place. It's a, it's a, an abandoned, not abandoned in the way that no one even knows what's going on there, but it's a closed ammunition factory. It's been closed since the 70s, and now the government gave it back to the community. So there's like a board of directors that decides what to do with the, with the property, and they, they parceled off a piece of it to Amazon is used as a distribution center. It's like 6,000 acres. So they don't really know what to do with it. And on that acreage is there's buildings and every one of the buildings is frozen in time in the 1940s. And in time, as the property becomes developed, the buildings will be bulldozed and there's tons of wood and material and all kinds of stuff and lights and lamps and hardware and fixtures. And it's all been decontaminated. That's one important thing. There's not like bales of gunpowder laying around. It's all gone. And it's just these buildings. And so I, I did a video on it. And I kept asking my friend, is, like, is it okay? Is it okay? Is it okay? And he's like, yeah, I don't care. And then toward the, look, we went one afternoon, then we went the next day, which is when we spent a lot of time. I did a drone shot and stuff. And I said, is it cool? And he's like, yeah, 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 it's cool. And then at the end of the day, he goes, maybe, maybe, maybe I shouldn't be in it. I was like, okay, cool. So I'll just, you know what? I go, let's just, we'll keep it mysterious. We'll just never say where it is. And we'll never say who you are. And he goes, okay, that's better. <laughs> and I put it up and like within... Within an hour, he, he wrote me an email and he goes, dude, because I'm getting in trouble. He goes, that everybody knows and somebody on the board of directors is a fan of yours. And The only reason they were upset with him is because they just don't want people banging on the door saying, I want free stuff, I want free stuff. That was the only reason. Had nothing to do with like uh, 
you know, any like declassified or anything like that. He just, they just don't want people bugging them. And then what was happening is people were putting it in the comments. Oh, I know where this is. This is so-and-so. Here's the Google aerial map of it. And, this, and I kept trying to keep up with deleting those comments. And like during throughout the days, like another one is up. You better go check it. There's another one. So I just de I did I disabled the comments so people couldn't do that, which I hate doing. But I did it for that video. And then after a little while, he goes, he like the next day, he goes, uh, could you just do me a favor and just hide the video? And so that's what I did. I just made it unlisted. And unlisted means it's you, you, you could find it, but it's not easy to find. So, Bob, when when will it be your turn to take down a video? I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully not anytime soon, but you never know. Well, the reason I was curious about that is because you you said your long-term trash-picking plans, and in that video, you went around and cut down light fixtures, mm -hmm. and you filled up the back of, like, at least one truck, if not more trucks. <laughs> no, just one. I mean, it was, it was like I said, I was okay. on my way out of town, so I was drove through the city that it was in, and and I, I wanted to come back. I, I went and visited. I did a recon trip one morning, and then the next day when it was time to actually leave town is when I went through. I took all I could fit one trip. What are you going to do with those? Do you have any plans? Uh, well, once uh, well, the idea was to try and use them for the new gas station place, which uh, I'll give you guys an update if you're curious. Um, but definitely I took enough to put in my porch under the, my back porch. I have a big wraparound porch upstate. And we're going to use a couple lamps in the house. I mean, I have no intentions on selling them for money, um, which is what uh, my buddy kept saying. He goes, sell them if you want. Sell them if you want. I was like, I really, you know, I don't really need this kind of money. And if I sell, I'd rather keep them for myself just because they have a great story. And then these cage lights, my friend Kevin really likes these cage lights. So that's why I stole a bunch of those. I took a bunch of those. Actually, I was actually allowed to take them. And uh, You were given a bunch of those. <laughs> I was given a bunch of those. So that's why we went around and I took a bunch of those because they're really cool. And so I'll use a couple of those in, in a new shop that I'll eventually build wherever that's going to be. And yeah, just, I just like also just love the history of having like old hardware and knowing where it came from. And, and those are the easy pickings, you know, like I could have taken valves and stuff, and, but then I would have had to like unbolt stuff. And those are the easy pickings. We took a scale. These, there's, if there was one of those scales, there was a hundred of them at every station. There were these big scales. Uh, they would weigh, it's crazy. They would take wood pulp. So somewhere in the world, there was a forest. The forest was cut up. They take wood pulp, put it into these mulchers, these things like these big steel claws that spin. So that room where I took all these like gooseneck lamps and at every station there was a, a scale. They'd fill the hopper and weigh how much wood is in there and then they would pull the chute, it would fall into the grinder and the grinder would grind it up and then they'd put it in these bins and then move it. And the wood pulp is part of the ammunition uh, fodder. It, it gets soaked in nitroglycerin. Crazy stories, uh, you know, just the, the process that uh, my friend was telling me. And it, all to blow up people's houses and stuff. It's crazy. It's like this mass industrial complex just to make bombs and gunpowder to shoot projectiles. And they, they would make a, there was a, a sewing room where there was lots of sewing machines. I could have taken, I took one old sewing machine. I could have taken 10. The sewing machines were used to make bags of canvas and then the canvas bags were filled with explosive and then sewn shut. And then those bags were put into the bottom of like a, you know, like a, a 10 inch gun on a battleship and then the bullet and then you put the bag and then you close it and then it gets fired so pretty pretty amazing stuff like I said in the industrial war complex and uh, how they think things through and how uh, making making gunpowder is you know a very natural process it's like veganism they, they take trees and cut up trees and mulch them up and 
soaking with nitroglycerin. Crazy, crazy stuff. There are no animal parts in gunpowder. Actually, there could <laughs> no, be. No, it's either. all vegan. Vegan gunpowder. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> vegan gunpowder. <laughs> and then, great. like, at every building is like a is 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 in coordination with the previous building. There's like train tracks next to this one because this is where these get packed, and it goes on here, and then it goes to the next building, and and there were areas where there's like explosive proof architecture. Like a couple, of, there's like these big giant berms next to the train where they're loading. So then, in case the plane, the train explodes, everything was designed to explode up, not out. So there are certain buildings that have like these big berms around them, so that if there was an accident, the explosion would go straight up. And and the the, the interesting thing about the plant was there never was an accident. They they had like a hundred percent safety record as far as you know the big big safety stuff goes. It's uh, it's in my video somewhere, so. If you want to look for it, you can look for it. I'll just email me and I'll just send you the link. <laughs> <laughs> cool. David, what about you? Well, before I get into what I'm what I'm doing, you jokingly mentioned vegan gunpowder. And I'm going to take off on a tangent here. But yesterday I was searching for uh, vegan leather, which there's plenty of. But I was looking for vegan leather, leather that I can cut on the laser, which um, I want to make sure I'm not cutting anything that could be hazardous. And I, I found this stuff called Craftex. Have you ever heard of this or used it? I think so. Is it is it like it's like the MDF of leather? Is that it? Yeah, it's a it's a paper like substance that has leather qualities that says you can you can wash it. Um, well, I just ordered a bunch, not a bunch, but uh, a couple yards of it, and I'm gonna I'm gonna play around with it. I think um, I heard of it. And it's called Craftex, K R A F T hyphen T E X, and it looks. It looks promising because you can do things to get some different textures out of it by washing it and letting it dry in, in certain ways. But it looks to be all safe materials. Um, so anyways, I was just seeing if you guys have worked with it. And that's my tangent. All right. So well, once I do get it and work with it, I'll, I'll let everybody know. It could be a, a cool new material. And it's fairly cheap, too, as far as, as, far as fabric and, and materials. But anyway... Um, some of you guys know that uh, my father passed away a couple weeks ago, and that's why I haven't been putting out uh, much content. You know, he spent uh, the last two weeks of his life in hospice, which um, he was there when we were family was there. We're we're all with him, and then um, we had to do all the other funeral stuff. and And before I get any emails or, or comments, I'm doing great. I'm doing fine. I'm surrounded by awesome, wonderful family. I've got, uh, I married the most amazing person in the world, so I'm doing good. I have everything I need. I don't need anybody to feel sorry for me or ask me if I need anything. I'm, I'm doing great. So I'm not saying that for, for pity, but um, that leads into what I'm working on, which is my dad was a um, very well-known pool player here in Northwest Ohio. Played in all kinds of like nine ball tournaments and eight ball pool leagues and was really, really good. And... Um, so he has a couple of high-end cue sticks that I'm I'm making a display case for. Um, going to retire them and they're going to they're going to hang on the wall. And the and the case the video should be out by the time this comes out. So the case has a couple of his cue sticks, and then it has a cue ball, an eight ball, and a nine ball. Uh, I was talking to my buddy um, Jonathan Katz Moses, who is a fan of of everybody here, and. 
during this talk, I was like, yeah, I'm going to take a rack of, of pool balls and display it in, in the case. And he came up with the idea of like, what if you just put the nine ball? Since he loved playing nine ball, that's kind of like the, the final, you know, you win, you're, you're done. And I was like, oh, that's great. And so I took his idea and I kind of ran with it where the cue sticks are not um, screwed together. They're broken down. So in, in my head, it's kind of like you've won the match and you've, you've broken down the cue stick and here's the final ball, you know, so it's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And uh, the it's made out of cherry, but the background is green felt that I got from Michael's. My dad had a pool table, and when it comes time to change the, the cloth on that pool table, I'm going to take the old cloth and replace the felt that I use with the cloth from my dad's pool table. So it'll be like a little memorial for him. And uh, I think it came out really good. Sweet. And the cool thing that I think is it has some hidden storage in the back. So there's some personal things of his and some papers and rings and just things I don't know what to do with that I don't want to get rid of. I'm just going to store it in this in this display case and it has a nice little a little place to to keep these things. Cool. Nice. Well, that's good. Yeah. And you know that even if you do get emails and stuff from people, it's just because they care about you and they just want to, you know, be there for you. I, I I and I I totally understand that. And I totally dislike email. <laughs> oh yeah, okay, yeah. There you go. If you want to be helpful, don't send David emails. <laughs> oh man, um, and and I, I mean no disrespect. Like, send me a tweet. Uh, I, I'll reply. I reply to tweets. Um, but yeah, I, I totally understand that. I'm I'm actually I'm doing really good. My family. Every my dad had a. I'm the only child. And my dad wasn't married, but uh, my dad had four other brothers and sisters and every single one of them like will drop what they're doing to to help me out with stuff like hmm. dealing with a family member passing away i turns out to be like there's so many unknowns i've never had to organize and and uh a, a funeral in the, in the showing and now we're going through we have to do all this probate court stuff and there's lawyers involved and and people make money off of other people's deaths and it's just weird that we have to go through all this this legal stuff now and it's uh so but my family they're all right there and they're all helping me through this and he had a, a bone cancer called multiple myeloma which is a really painful thing and i'm actually just i'm I'm relieved more than anything right now that he mm. doesn't have to to fight this anymore and wow. um yeah, it was it was pretty tough the last the last few weeks so wow. yeah that's what i'm up to don't feel sorry for me I'm doing good. Don't feel sorry for him. Just love on him. That's what we say. <laughs> Thank you. Cool. Um, well, f I'm glad to have you back. It's been, I know you've had a lot going on, so I'm, I'm glad to have you. Thank you. Freed up and back. Um, for me, I, see, what have I been doing? I traveled. My kids are on spring break this week, so at the end of last week, um, we took a quick trip to Kentucky to go visit some family. Spent a few days up there, and we actually got back yesterday, so it was it was just a really quick trip. But here, here's how crazy my wife is. We left Atlanta yesterday, <clears throat> which is four hours away, in the morning, drove here, and we got here. She dropped me and my dog off, grabbed a couple more things of clothes, got back in the car with all the kids, and drove to Florida another four hours oh, <laughs> to go see her family in Florida while they're on spring break. I had to get back and start working again. Um, thanks guys. It's up to you that I, no, I'm just kidding. I had a, a lot to do, so I had to come back, but 
Yeah, so she got right back in the car and left. But the cool thing about that is now I have a couple of days of, you know, untethered. I can just get a lot done. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, that's what I'm doing. And last week I worked on a video that will be coming out tomorrow if I can get the voiceover done tonight. And I made, it's another foam project. A friend of mine, actually the guy I stayed with in Atlanta, um, works for a video, video game company. And <clears throat> they wanted a, a piece from one of their characters to have at video game conferences and stuff so people could put it on and take pictures with it. And so it was interesting because it was a, this game is all two-dimensional. He's the main artist on it, so he draws all these characters and all these weapons and these costumes, but he draws them in 2D. And so he had a few different 2D images from different perspectives, and then he gave me those, and I had to make an actual wearable 3D helmet-type piece from it. And it's not a complicated piece, <clears throat> but it was interesting looking at a, a 2D image that was basically like three-color. You know, there's no there's no high detail in it or anything. There's no... Uh, weathering or <clears throat> any textures. It's all kind of cartoon rendering, you know, like a real basic three color. And to take that image and turn it into a three-dimensional object that has those colors, but also has to look like a, not a cartoon mm, thing. It has yeah. to look like a real world thing. So that was kind of an interesting thing to figure out. And it was all foam fabricated, so uh, it's nice and squishy and, you know, safe and lightweight and stuff like that. But that was fun. So that'll be out this week. Um, oh, and check this out. This has potential to change the podcast. You ready for this? Okay, I got this message from my brother uh, last week. And <clears throat> for Christmas this past year, my sister gave him the 23andMe test. Are you familiar with this? Yep. No. Okay, so the, the 23andMe test is like a DNA testing thing where you... I don't know, you swab your mouth or something and send it oh, in. Yeah. And they, they process it and they tell you like where your family's from and you know how much of this you are and how much of that you are and all these different things. And they used to say, you know, you have this percentage of having heart disease and this percentage of having liver disease and all this and they've stopped doing that part of it, I think. But so he gets back the uh the list of where we're from and, you know, what type of ethnicities we are mixed up and stuff and his <laughs> the thing he wrote here is most of it was pretty much meaningless but in the list of relatives is Ariana Pachuto a oh. fourth cousin with whom I share .36% DNA in two sequences so there's a remote possibility that you and David are fifth to seventh cousins <laughs> <laughs> that crazy? The, that's funny because I have um, I didn't go through that company I went through another company um, Ancestry something or other uh, and I'm expecting my results back at any at mm. any moment so if a Clegan shows up yeah. that would be crazy <laughs> that would be crazy and you will be invited to the Pachuto family reunion this year. Yes, I get to go. <laughs> they nice. they actually find say, they find surnames that are attached to your DNA. That's crazy. How do they how do they do that? I don't know. I mean, I I would assume that they maybe this Ariana Pachuto person has filled out the same has done the same. Test. Oh right, so it yeah. has to be the same. And so pool, they just yeah. yeah, they just look for like overlap. I would get. I have no idea. That's just huh. a guess. But yeah, so cool, cuz. <laughs> so uh, here's here's a here's a quick fun fact. Uh, champion boxer uh, Rocky Marciano. You guys ever hear of this guy from the sure. 20s or 30s, 40s? Um, 
but famous professional boxer, his wife or his mother was a Pachudo. And so I'm Ooh. related to a former heavyweight champion. Crazy. Oh, wow, cool. Okay, here's another one for you. This is funny. Have you ever heard of Emily Post? Mm. Emily Post was the the quintessential like manners person. She wrote these books on etiquette and manners and so like any anyone who grew up with like the actual using the actual etiquette and stuff um kind of not in our generation the previous generation and before okay um if they did it was all emily post stuff <clears throat> so it turns out that emily post was actually a claggett before she was a post and we're pretty directly related to her and then we found out while we were talking or soon after we were talking about that that my wife is actually related to martha stewart Oh. And so we have, <laughs> for as messy and unkept as we are, we are related to two kind of uh, designy, etiquette people who are famous for it. Hmm. That's, hmm. that's where you come from, your politeness <laughs> oh. and your etiquette. Hmm. Could be, I guess, maybe. Jimmy has no Martha Stewart in him. <laughs> no, you know, or a funny... A funny <laughs> I did, you know, I did go on a date with Martha Stewart's daughter. Did I ever tell anybody that story? What? Dude, we were almost related. Yep. Well, okay. I would have been your cousin by marriage if that worked out. <laughs> I went on a date with Alexis Stewart about 10 years ago. My sister knows one of her friends, and we were both single at the time, and my sister calls me. She's like, you want to go on a date with Alexis Stewart? I'm like, who the hell's that? She goes, Martha Stewart's daughter. I was like, I go, sure, I'll do it for the story. And then, like within, <laughs> and then within like three hours, in case hours, I have a podcast someday. <laughs> then within like three hours, my sister goes, "Okay, you're all set. This is her number. Text her." And we texted, and she's uh, we met in uh, Tribeca for for a couple of drinks. I wasn't drinking, but she had a few drinks in her, and uh, she had just come from a party. This is when she was doing this TV, uh, a radio show on Sirius with with her partner, her on air partner, whose name I don't remember. So her and uh, Jen was the girl's name. So Jen is a friend of my sister's. So it was Jen and Alexis radio show. And this, what happened was Jen also knew somebody that I went to high school with that was my age. My sister's younger. And Kathleen was talking to Jen one day about a jewelry thing. And my name came up. And she's like, oh, I heard about your brother. He's single. Oh, my God. I'm going to hook him up with Alexis. And so we, we went and met on it, went on a date. And there was absolutely zero chemistry. I think she... We both wanted to go to the bathroom and leave. We were both going to go to the bathroom at the same time and then leave. Hmm. But it didn't. No, we, we... Bob, do you feel like there are so many Jimmy stories that we have not heard yet? <laughs> Actually, you know, I have heard that one before somewhere. I don't I might have told you yeah, guys. I would yeah. assume that there are... I'm sure there are more that we have not heard than we have heard. Yeah, she was nice. She, I mean, one thing about her, obviously, uh, you know, she did go into a little <clears> bit about how her, uh, her mother was... Uh, it, you know, railroaded for lack of a better term about the whole tax thing, and she ended up having to do jail time and everything. Um, and we talked about having a house in the country versus a house in the city. And she said, you know, don't think that you could use your house in the country as a tax write off because she said they like when her mother, she's like, they checked everything, like when my mother's whereabouts and all. She said, you know, when the FBI is against you or the, you know, the investigators, there's absolutely nothing you can hide. So, I mean, that's no secret mm. that, uh, but we talked about TV and, production companies and stuff like that it really just t- it turned into almost like a business meeting and uh, she was very cordial and she was very classy and uh, the funny thing was is that was it we met we met that and we left and we never spoke again and 
then my sister-in-law is like, oh my God, are you going to be the father of a baby? I go, what are you talking about? This was about a time when, this is, if, if anybody wants to do the Google research, it was at a moment in time when she was talking about wanting a baby. And so she was like talking on the radio show about wanting a baby and she was looking for a candidate to have a baby with. Oh. And I didn't know any of this until after. And I'm not, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know if I was a candidate to potentially uh, make a granddaughter or a child for Martha Stewart. But I, I wasn't. I absolutely did what not. What a crazy baby that would be! <laughs> a trash picking millionaire. It would be baby. this little, yeah, this little like trash picking kid <laughs> running around with an axe hanging off his belt, wearing like the tidiest Martha Stewart clothes you can imagine. That would be awesome. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, what are we going to talk about today? We're like thirty minutes in. I know we're, we're thirty minutes in, and our topic today is perfect because it's all over the place we're going to answer some twitter questions and this podcast has been all over the place so the first one comes from uh dustin penner which got to hang out with uh, a couple months ago good dude uh youtube disappears tomorrow and you have to start from zero what do you do differently yeah Hmm. so Hmm. i know uh a lot of us YouTube is our, our main bread and butter, but a lot of us have eggs in many, many baskets because you never know what can happen. And I have multiple YouTube channels. I have a website. Um, I'm selling plans. I have Patreon and writing books. And um, so I, I, I definitely would, I would totally panic if YouTube went down tomorrow, but uh, I would... If YouTube went down, there's going to be something there to replace it. Casey Neistat had a great video yesterday where he was talking about YouTube's lack of communication with its creators and how it said YouTube right now has a monopoly, but things change so fast. Competitors are going to come up and there's going to be some competition real soon. And if YouTube goes down, I'm ready for the next thing. You know, and I have backups. I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm. I'll write more books. I'll sell more plans. I'll do more on my on my website. So I will panic, but I, I think I'd be okay. Yeah, I think it would be a short term panic for yeah. all of us. Like in the oh no, you know. But then, I mean, so one of the the thing this question has come up before in person with some people. <clears throat> I think one of the cool things about what we do is that we, it, by nature, we like make stuff out of nothing. Yeah. That's what we do, right? Yeah. So like if if the thing that we're using goes away, we make another thing. And I'm not saying that we all necessarily would make another YouTube, but I think it would just be a matter of like rolling in a new direction and just shifting our, you know, our focus onto something else. Like I know for me, right, if from like a right now here's what's available perspective. Twitch um, would be a thing that I could immediately turn in that direction and dump way more time into that. It's not as big for me as YouTube is, obviously, but it's another platform that engages the same type of people in a different way. And so I, I could easily shift in that direction, focus on that while looking for like a, a, a YouTube replacement or, you know, building my own media server type thing to put my videos back up somewhere. Because, I, yeah, I have all those backed up as well. So I own that content. I have that content on a hard drive, multiple hard drives that I could just put somewhere if I needed to have it available online. So I, I don't know, like that's not a real big concern for me. I do think eventually YouTube will either, 
I don't know that it's going to like break down and fall away, but I think eventually somebody will come up and compete with it at its same level so that the audience will start to be split between YouTube and between whatever this other thing is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, you guys remember, and you know, if that's what was that? Uh, I was going to say, you guys remember Friendster and MySpace, you know, how popular mm-hmm. they were for yeah. a split second and then all of a sudden they're gone. Yeah. But, I mean, the, the different thing with video is that it's a technically it's just a, a much bigger beast to tame, you know, like sure. the amount of, of file information that has to be moved around and. Uh, you know, doing things quickly so that people stay and actually watch stuff. Like, there's a reason that YouTube is what it is because they've continually been improving that stuff over time. They've made it easy for people to watch videos and not have to worry about plugins and not have to worry about like having a particular speed of internet. And you know, they've solved a lot of that stuff. That's not really obvious. Those aren't features that you go like, oh wow, they can stream at 360 if I only have 360 you know bandwidth. But it's a thing that makes it possible to use. So I think it would actually be pretty difficult for somebody to come along and one for one compete with them, but it's inevitable that someone will compete in some way. Can you guys hear that? No. The ding. The, there's sirens going off in the background here. Hmm. Uh-oh. It turns yeah, out that's my siren. Sorry, you can't take my siren. <laughs> <laughs> that's my thing. <laughs> there's a statewide Ohio fire tornado drill at 9:50 today, 9:50 a.m. And that's what <laughs> there's sirens going off right now. I just wanted to say it's not Jimmy this time. It's me. <laughs> and we have those on Wednesdays too. We have it like once a month. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I, I had a thought. I think if uh, we were all back to the wall with no means for posting our video, I think what what we could probably do is pool our resources, you know, the maker community, because we're all so good at communicating with each other and sharing, uh, you know, behind the scenes stuff. Uh, like, what do you think if we would start like YouTube man-made or something like that, where we all pool and, you know, we figure out a subscription-based thing where we could all like pay for the servers and build a, a database where we could all repost our videos. That would obviously be a tremendous undertaking, but the idea of basically making a mini YouTube for what it is that we do and keeping our fan base in the loop and making mm-hmm. it instead of each one of us trying to like make our own storage content yeah. website, we right, could right. pool our resources and if whatever it is per month to pay for it until it's up and running and you know basically like uh, you know the the inmates taking over the asylum. There is no real competition between all. Uh, the different YouTubers, at least in the in the makerspace, everybody's pretty friendly with each other. We're all um, we do these events together, and everybody gets along great. And that's a great thing because if we all work together, we can all grow together and learn from each other. And I've learned so much just from talking to you guys behind the scenes and going to these various events. And the the thing is, is a lot of us have completely different business models like my business model is selling selling plans and getting sponsorships steve ramsey's business model is is the the complete is just like sponsorships and mark spagnolo is is the the woodworkers guild and so we all do things a little bit different and we're all growing and and helping each other yeah yeah i think there's the the cool overlap thing there is that we could work together even more closely, if if YouTube went away, we could work even more closely and still uh, like survive. You know, still make it kind of symbiotic. Next question comes from Dan Perry. He says, "What do you do with all the crap you make? 
Like, I know Jimmy is a hoarder, but what about you and Bob? And this was me, <laughs> so. Uh, Jimmy, so let's talk about all the stuff that you make. Where are all your knives and swords and, and everything? <laughs> on his belt. <laughs> on his belt, he carries yeah, it. Yeah. They're all right here in front of me, be ready to go on my pants once I put them on. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> No, they're all. I have a there's a drawer in in my workshop, and when fans come over, I usually open that drawer up and lay everything out. If you'll notice, Brett has been uh, my new shop hangaround, Brett Mac- McAfee, and on Instagram, Brett has laid out yesterday. We oh, you know who was over yesterday? Ben Ben Ueda from uh, Homemade Modern. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. He's gonna yeah. Ben was hanging out with us, so uh, he showed Ben some of the stuff, and and then Brett took a couple of pictures of everything laid out on the table. So I have all those tools kind of just right nearby. So when people come over, they want to take pictures with them. I have a couple of the hatchets laying around. The more like sexy ones, like the black ones with leather and stuff on them, I have them here in the house so they don't get too destroyed from the dust and mold in the basement. And uh, here in my apartment, I'm looking up on my shelf. I have a couple of the more smaller, precious things I made, like the magnifying glass and and a couple of the little safekeep boxes that I've made. So. Um, I keep everything around. I anticipate one day having sort of like a museum room in either in a shop or wherever I end up having my new workshop. And I would have everything kind of displayed there. Or if ever, anybody wanted to like host a show, I would have all that stuff at the ready to put in a show. Hmm. But I keep it all nearby. And right away, like the cane, the knife and the cane, everybody right away. I must have gotten 10 phone calls or 10 emails this week. I want to buy that. I want to buy that. I got all the money in the world. I want to buy that. And then when I tell people how much I want for it, they're like, "You're out of your mind." I'm like, "I'm not. I'm not the one offering it for sale. You're the one that's trying to give me a. You know, a, you said you had all the uh, money in the world. What's the problem? <laughs> yeah. But some guy said, <laughs> I, I didn't see the follow up comment, but I just happened to. Some guy goes, "Name your price. I want that." And so I said, "What's your price?" And somebody underneath wrote four bucks. <laughs> I just it was so stupid. I started laughing, but I don't know if there was a real follow up answer i haven't looked yet but that's the knife and the cane thing so like that and the guitar everyone's like name a price i want one and uh, so the standard price for the ak-47 guitar is six thousand dollars that's what i tell everybody so i get probably five emails a month how much for the ak-47 guitar and i just write six k send and then i never hear from anybody it's like that's like my way of saying screw off six k send (laughs) and i don't think that's outlandish for uh, like a, yeah, I would know, have a handmade way more prop than guitar. That. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's $1,000 for the guitar because it's not a great, you know, it's like a great, it's it's a, a reasonable Ibanez and then 5000 for the for the labor, which isn't that involved. And for me, it's not that involved. And, uh, you know, so far nobody's going for it. But I keep everything around. Actually, I just was on the phone with the Wyclef's manager the other day. We might do another project together, a different guitar for a different artist. And... I said, where's Wyclef's guitar? I'll need that for reference. And he goes, you know, I talked to him the other day and he said, it's a crazy story. I go, what does that mean? He goes, I don't know. I'm going to get him on the phone right now and ask. (laughs) So when you said to Wyclef, where is the guitar Jimmy made? His response was, it's a crazy story. So it's probably lost in the world. So if anybody knows where my AK-47 guitar is, send me a a secret email and we'll work on getting it back. Some was guys it? got it on eBay for $5,999. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, would you say that's the project that put you on the map? Yeah, it's really funny. It's uh, I remember Wyclef has a manager, Anthony, uh, uh, Tony, and, and Jerry. And when I made that video, I was about to sell it to Make. And 
Tony says, don't sell to me. Keep it on your own channel. Don't be stupid. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you know, because I was like, I was in that kind of, I was in that schedule where like I had to like have something for make every two weeks. And I was like, you know what? Uh, I'm getting, so I skipped a week and left it on my channel. And, you know, at some of the advice of them and Bob, you've told me a few times, make sure you put the good stuff on your channel. And it was definitely, it's almost at 8 million views, which is huge for me. And it still, it still gets, you know, we all have that one video that like goes nuts. And that's my one video that still gets talked about. And people, I get emails all the time from these, these sort of bottom feeders that are like, hey, will you sell us that video? It's over three years old. You know, do you still want to use it? And like, you think I'm stupid that I'm going to be able to sell my AdSense to them. We'll give you $1,000 right now up front. So that's the one video that generates a lot of junk mail and, and a lot of inquiries. And But it's good. It's, you know, I'm really glad that it worked out the way it did. I would be really annoyed if it had 8 million views and it was on the Make channel. That would drive me nuts. Bob, I'm going to let you go next because I might have the same answer as you. Okay. Um, I mean, most of the things that I make, I historically have tried to make things that <clears throat> had a purpose. So I would go around and look for something that needed a thing or needed a, an improvement or whatever, or a friend that needed something for their home and try to make that so that it had a place to go. But in the last, I'd say in the last year, you know, I've run out of places to put those things. Like, I don't need any more tables in my house. I don't need any more lights or any more... Well, actually, I do. But, you know, there's... The needs are pretty much taken care of. So, at this point, um, I try to make things that I know I can give to someone who, like... Like the Bar Top Arcade. I still have it, but eventually I'll probably give that to someone who's interested because I don't use it, I don't need it, I don't have a place for it. But so pretty much everything is in my office. Like, which is crazy because there's no room in here at all. <laughs> but like the the log bench that I have, the one that I made that's like the log upside down, you know, and it's flat on the top, steel frame. I made that and I was really happy with it. I carried it from the shop into this room, set it on the floor, and it's been there ever since. Hmm. Never sat on it, never put it in the house. You know, it just, I don't, I didn't need it, so I don't have a place to put it. Um, and like looking around here, all the prop type stuff I made, I've made is just in the office. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a place for any of it, which is frustrating. Um, and I don't want to keep things just to keep them. Are we allowed to talk about what's behind you right now? Uh, not yet. Okay. All right. Teaser. <laughs> Couple weeks. Yeah. Okay. All right. So what's your answer? So my answer is mostly I make things that I need. Uh, or uh, in the past, I've made a lot of things that I've tried to sell at, at craft shows. Or I give away a lot of things on, on Patreon, too. A uh, couple things lately, some bigger things we don't know what to do with. I made a, a kitchen cart with a removable serving tray on top. That's still in my shop. That is being used to hold mm. junk right now in my shop. Um, so I don't know what to do with it because we don't have room, but we're hoping when in our next house there is a little bit more room where we can use this. The hot dog table is now, it moved from the awkward spot in the dining room to the awkward spot in our living room. It just doesn't fit anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and then the um, the Live Edge Walnut Bench is also, it's made for like an entry hallway, which we don't really have one. Our front door just opens right up into the living room. So it's also awkwardly placed in the living room. We have a relatively small house, um, but maybe our, we're hoping our next house is a little bit bigger. But mostly I make really small things, little crafty type things. And 
so there's 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 room for them or they're they're given away or i'm gonna um upgrade things like one of my upcoming projects is taking a turntable and and removing the plastic and and placing it with wood and i want to do more things like that i want to take things i already have and do an upgrade with them because i am i i don't need junk I, i i guess junk is the wrong word for the things that i make but i don't need more things so i'm just well, going to yeah like things. unnecessary things yeah i mean junk junk is that junk know. is that yeah yeah i agree with you it's it's tough because you want to keep making stuff but that stuff does have to go somewhere and that you know you can either like let it just make whatever you want and let it pile up or you have to let that lack of space and stuff inform what you make and that's kind of a drag because then you're like well then I only can make things or typically only make things that, you know, I can find a place to shove or they have to be of a certain size or whatever. And that starts to get kind of limiting, you know? Mm-hmm. All right. One more quick question. Um, let's see. Somebody asked, and I, and I can't find a tweet now. I'm sorry. But somebody asked if we saw the Peter Brown video where he talked about comparing your YouTube channel to other YouTube channels. And I kind of want to expand on that just a little bit of just comparing yourself to other people in general and how it may not be the, the healthiest thing. Did I don't I know Bob saw the video. I don't think Jimmy saw the video yet. He says it's in his queue. I haven't queue. watched it yet. I have it loaded, but I haven't watched Yeah. And, um, but... Uh, Bob, can you can you remind us what what Peter was saying in the video? Yeah, he, he actually talked about me, which was kind of funny. <laughs> um, yeah, so basically, he was just saying that when he got started on YouTube, he would look at other channels that were uh, in his kind of vertical in his genre that were doing well, and look at them and compare him his videos to theirs and say, like, wow, theirs are so much more professional. I mean, he actually called out all three of us and said. Uh, you know, these guys, I really like their videos. They're very professional. Mine look uh, less professional than theirs. And so, therefore, I should improve my quality, my production value, to try to get more like theirs so that I can get the same growth that they get. Mm-hmm. So, And that's a very logical, you know, if you see success, you mirror that success to try to get the same success. And he brought up a, a thing, a conversation that he and I had had at Maker Faire a couple of years ago where he told me that. He said, you know, I want to start upping the value of my, my production value and everything. And as soon as he started saying this in the video, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that conversation. But I basically said, like, why? You know, you're you're successful. By your, like, take everybody else out of the picture. You're successful in what you're doing. And people like what you do. So don't change what you do to try to get a different audience. Just build the audience that you have or something to that effect. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, so that was my suggestion to him was, and I think it is to, to everybody, um, you know, that I think it's really easy to compare yourself to other people and to try to mirror what they're doing to get the success that they have. But, and Peter said this very well in this video, that's a fake success. That's a fake, um, it's a fake version of you and of what you want to do to try to get, uh, get viewers. And the, I think the problem with that is that well, one, it's not really the truth. It's not really what you would naturally do. And that's going to make it really hard to maintain. That's going to make it really hard to sustain over a long period of time. And eventually, you're going to get tired of that. You're going to get tired of the facade and of the extra work and of the all the stuff, and you're going to let it fall away, and you're going to become who you are again. And when you do, all those people that signed up were like, wow, this guy's production is so great. 
I'm going to start watching his videos. Then when you fall back, those people are going to go like, hmm, this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> like, what's, what's going on here? And they're going to fall away. So, you know, what did you do for yourself? Nothing. You, you grabbed a bunch of people and then they fell away because it wasn't what you actually wanted to produce. Versus doing what you do uh, and people jumping on board and being interested because of who you are and because of what you create, those are the people that you want anyway. Those are the people that are like dedicated, not dedicated, dedicatedly interested in what you are. Those are the people that want you want around you, I think. And that does the, that's not just yeah, YouTube. I, that's just anything. Oh, yeah. That's life. That's life. I, I didn't see the thing, but you know, if, if, if someone like Peter was, well, let's talk about Peter in general. Peter was looking at other people. Uh, what's interesting is you got to just keep making videos and your personality will start to come to the surface. No matter who you are, yeah. And you know, if you're somebody that's dislike, that's not likable, then you know that's a problem you got to deal with. But Peter is very likable, and I love his experimentation. It's almost like hanging out with like a hip science teacher every time you watch a video, because you know he'll drop and break, you know, break something. The, the salt piece will shoot off the lathe or whatever it is, and he just rolls with it, and then he ends up. It's like you're kind of going on this like discovery with him. Whereas me, I do that discovery, but I keep it all internalized. And I just try and only show the good stuff. And so that's just because that's just how I got started. But I love watching Peter's videos for the, the sake of like he's showing he's basically inside out. I'm showing it the other way. And so, it, you know, and he just hit 400,000 subscribers, which is amazing. I mean, he's, I think he's mm. growing pretty quick. And I think people really dig the the experimentation. And, and he goes off on these tangents, like with the resin, and then it's like, you know, what can we put in resin? What, let's play with salt, and let's play with the uh, melted plastic. So I, I think I think it's 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 great in that the way, and that's a perfect example of just keep making stuff, and your personality will come to the surface. And like I said, you know, you got to be a likable guy, like like Peter. But I mean, there are there's a lot of successful YouTubers that aren't likable. Not going to say who, but they have very successful channels. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 helpful to be likable but you're you're totally right like i get people watch my first videos i don't know why they still get views but they get views i guess just the subject matter <clears throat> but people always comment now on those videos like wow you were really depressed when you made this one <laughs> or like are you okay <laughs> they're thinking that's like a current video and i'm all of a sudden depressed but the fact of the matter is like i didn't realize that i was uh you know like nervous at the time or, or like being uptight about being on camera but now looking at them I'm like yes I was extremely nervous about how I was being how I was presenting myself and how I sounded and just by doing it 175 times or whatever um, I've just let that down a little bit and and I've understood like oh uh, I have to actually I have to move my hands a little bit more than I would in person because it looks natural you know it's not like I'm faking it but like I wouldn't naturally move my hands like I am right now. Right. But when you do that on video, it shows that you're not like closed in. You don't have your hands held to your body. That's just stuff you learn by watching yourself do it. So you have to mm -hmm. do it wrong to be able to do it right. So, yeah, you're totally right, Jimmy. On the other side of that, though, uh, it does help to if it get if it helps you get started to emulate somebody else. So let's say you want to make a Sam Maloof chair. Okay, don't make your end goal to be the same to be Sam Maloof, 
but use that as like, okay, I'm going to make his chair and then I'm going to make another version and I'm going to incorporate some of my things into it until it, until your personality comes out into whatever you're making. So you can use that as a starting point, but don't use that as an ending point. Who, so that's excellent. Who are some of the people that you emulated when you got started? Um, uh, video wise. Yeah. Yeah. Like just, you know, style and everything. Yeah. Uh, well, Jimmy Duresta for sure. Uh, there's, if you go back in my catalog, there's some sped up things where you don't see me talking. Um, Steve Ramsey and Mark Spagnuolo, the, you know, the, the, the big hitters. And, um, and then I realized, okay, that's too much work. All that. Uh, and so then it was, I tried to dumb them down where I just did voiceovers. And then I thought, oh, that's kind of boring. And out of all those different iterations came out this what you what you see now which is this over exaggerated dude making things or whatever but i found my voice trying out different things jimmy is there anybody that you i mean you've been doing videos on youtube for a long time so is there anybody who has influenced how you do them or was your stuff just kind of like the utility of Fast forward to get through it, no talking to avoid having to do that. I guess, uh, yeah, that was a sort of a utility that was kind of born out of just necessity. But being with the proposed with this question, I think if I had to really say like where I get a lot of my inspiration or my early inspiration from was, I guess it would be like watching the the Discovery Channel and where like you would watch Jesse James and those guys and showing a lot of the hmm. detail of the work. You know, I guess a lot of that, you know, just sort of like the, the make a genre that, that took hold of Discovery Channel and TLC in the early 2000s. I was so inundated with that. I watched every segment of that stuff that I could find, you know, the American Choppers and all the Jesse James stuff and the Monster Garage stuff and the slow-mo shots of Sparks and stuff like that. That's definitely been, you know, an inspiration for a lot of the stuff that I do early on too. You know, in the beginning I was using a flip camera. Now I watch that and it's like watching like a flip open cell phone video. It's uh, so bad. And at the time, I'm like, "This is good enough. This is good enough. It's good enough." And yesterday, I just finally got a, I got a a, a new camera, a new uh, a, what you, a new selfie camera or a new vlogging camera, a Canon G7X, and it's beautiful. It's just the video is incredible, and uh, so I'll be able to do more of that sexy sparks and splashes of like when the hammer comes down and say boom, and the pound bounces and the sparks splash out and the logo comes up. You know, all that stuff. That's really... Make sure you put that on Vimeo. Yep, definitely, definitely. I just started a Vimeo <laughs> channel because I heard YouTube's not doing well. <laughs> um, Bob, I'm curious to know if you tried to emulate anybody when you when you first started. Yeah, I mean, the fast-forward stuff was definitely... I've talked about this before, was definitely... I saw Jimmy's videos and thought, like, I really like how he gets through a whole lot of stuff, but I want more information, so I wanted to do voiceover over the fast-motion stuff. So that was definitely a big part of it. Um, but also the talking stuff, um, I think Wheezy Waiter was probably the biggest inspiration for how I edited because I've always loved the way he does his he does these really fast jump cuts. And so he'll have a whole conversation that there's like basically no dead space in between it. And it just keeps the pace like, you know, just moving along. And uh, he's really funny and engaging and stuff too. So I think that probably drew me into that style but i've i've tried to back off of that a little bit try to loosen it up a little bit so that there's a little more breathing room because i think i overdid that at first you know trying to cut out all the dead space so it was just talk 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 um 
but that definitely gave me somewhere to start, you know, and gave me a, a thing that I knew that I liked, that I saw, that I watched on a regular basis, and then was able to emulate too much and then back off of some mm-hmm. over time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another trick to do is uh, in the video space, if you're doing woodworking stuff, maybe don't try to emulate another or try to do what another woodworker's doing. Maybe look outside, like, you know, look for a photographer or a comedy channel or somebody who, if you, if you, if you do copy that and work at, use that as your starting point, people might not notice so much, you know? So look outside the, and that goes with furniture building too. Like you want to get into woodworking and you want to do something different. Look at architecture instead of other woodworking projects, you know, bring influences in from outside the circle. One thing I like is when I see a video that is a direct answer to somebody else's video. So somebody says, somebody will make an object and somebody go, well, I saw John Smith's object in his video, and this is my answer to John Smith's object in my video. So that's another way of, of being mm-hmm. able to sort of copy somebody, but give them all the credit in the world and, and give it a generational mm-hmm. thing so that you could see what comes next. I mean, let, yesterday, Ben and I were talking about, and you know, what are some of his successful products, and Ben said the, the stool where he takes a pail and fills it with cement and puts sticks in it. And then he said, all of a sudden, they were popping up all around the world. And, uh, you know, in videos and pictures. So I, I think that's cool, too, when people give somebody a, an excuse to make a video because they see somebody else do that project and then they want to just straight up copy it or give it their own flair and say, I'm making this because this person did this. You know, that's another way of <clears throat> developing, you know, a video style. That's just the opposite of what you said, Dave, but... It, it's it's definitely a good place for you know a yeah. newbie to start. There's no there's there's no one answer no. for anything. Anything that we are doing as furniture makers or crafters or YouTubers, there's no one set way to do something. Yeah, just so you know, we have no idea what we're doing. We don't know <laughs> <laughs> nothing. <laughs> we're making it up as we go along. Yeah, yeah. Cool. We have any more questions? I think that that that's that's good. Okay. One last thing, though, that I think we should talk about real quick before we wrap up is ideas for future shows. Yes. Does anybody have any ideas that we can kind of throw out there and start brewing on for yeah. future weeks? One of the things that I, I kind of wanted to, to do, which we couldn't figure out how to make into a full episode, was make an episode about future episodes. I kind of wanted to brainstorm some topic ideas and just throw some things out there to to see, you know, start writing on the whiteboard and, and, and see where that goes. Guys, gals, I, I need your help. There's a there's a subject that I want to talk about in the future, and one of the, and that is mental health and how that helps uh or or uh intertwines with with making uh and so I need I kinda I need a starting point because it's something I want to talk about, but I don't know where to, to start and what the, the subject could be. I get emails all the time, and I'm sure you guys do too, of people saying, you know, I'm um, I'm depressed I, or I have this, and woodworking or metalworking really helps your your, your videos are inspiring. And, and so I want to expand on that a little bit, but I don't know where to take it because I, I can't speak as an expert on this, and I don't want to mm, offend or um, seem insensitive about the subject, but it is something I want to talk about. Yeah, I think that would be really interesting. But I, I'm with you. Like I would want to kind of be informed 
about that because I wouldn't want to kind of speak out of turn there. Yes. Um, let's see. So somebody asked recently for us to do the two-question format that we did. He said it was episode 86, and I honestly don't remember what that one was. But That was a fun one. Yeah, I remember enjoying it, but I don't remember what we talked about. So we'll have to go back and listen to it to make sure we don't ask the same questions. Um, but I think we should do that more often asking each other questions because i think it's cool kind of a cool way to interview each other you know yeah because usually when three of us are on other shows or we do interviews we pretty much get asked the same questions over and over Mm -hmm. because in that audience those questions haven't been answered yet so i mean i understand it but like everybody who listens to the show knows our origin stories and knows when we went full-time and knows when we you know what makes us interested and all that stuff um so maybe possibly have people say david i want you to ask jimmy this i'm open like i can hmm. come up with my own questions but i'm also open to suggestions on what you guys want me to ask you guys interesting no sense but yeah yeah okay here's the thing if you okay. want to do that if somebody wants to do that tag us Tag the person on Twitter that you want to ask the question, but not the person that you want to be asked of. There you go. So that way, nobody is t- is tempted to like answer it over Twitter. So if yep. you want if you want me to ask David a question, tag at I like to make stuff with one F. Ask David, blah 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 blah, but don't tag him. Cool. Let's do that because that'd be fun. We can each keep track of our own questions and stuff. But I we should definitely yeah. do that as a. As a show soon, and probably more often than we do that. Yeah. Um, what other ideas do we have? What about workwear? A hmm. show on workwear? Because I've been getting a lot of emails about some specific companies that are making all kinds of new workwear. And you guys know I experimented with workwear. And the Samurai Carpenter has his, his leather vest, his famous leather vest. And, you know, if there's any custom workwear or any workwear you guys do when you work, you know, we all do different types of work. And what do you, what are you comfortable working in? What kind of shoes do you wear? That kind of stuff, you know, as it relates mm-hmm. oh, as it yeah. relates to making in the shop. Just, just an idea. Yeah, I'm very conscious of what I'm wearing when I'm on camera, mm-hmm. and you know, and I the, the shoes that I have are special shoes for my situation. So, yeah, that's a great topic. Video making shoes, yeah. and like anytime, the, anytime the camera's not on, David's like bikini in the shop all the time. Mm-hmm. I know, he's like right me. now. Can you guys see? <laughs> My, my bikini. Are you guys asking me to put my camera down? You want me to point my camera down? Is that what you no, mean? No, 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 no. <laughs> Pants are for the shop. That's it. Yeah, I like to wear clothes in the shop. Well, um, there's got to be some other like really good ideas. And if we don't have any right now, that's okay. But I would love it if people would tweet us ideas. Um, and we do get emails from people with ideas sometimes. And a lot of them are very similar, or they're like uber specific to where we couldn't really make a good show about them. And I hate to not answer those questions, but you know, like it's just it's hard to make an entire conversation about a really specific kind of one situation yeah. question. So if we've not I, answered yours, sorry, that may be why. And I will say we will most likely avoid any kind of legal law type things. Yeah. Every, every once in a while, I would get the like, "Am I liable for this?" or "How do I start a business?" and and I am in no position to answer those questions, and I don't want to give 
out any information that could potentially put you in a bad situation. So. Just make stuff. Yeah. That's all. But don't worry about it. David does Just have a good stuff. video. David does have a good video on his channel where he talked to a lawyer about a lot of those things, and that's definitely a good watch for somebody that wants oh. to get some things answered. Cool. Yeah. Um, somebody did ask recently about whether or not to trademark. And that might be an interesting, because I think we would probably have some different views on that. Um, you know, whether or not to trademark your logo or like how far you take brand enforcement and things like that. So we can talk about that at some point. Okay. Um, okay, so I've written those down. Uh, if you guys have questions that you want us to talk about, send them over, because it is kind of difficult for us to come up with stuff to talk about every week, even though we like hanging out. We all think about other things all week long until we get to this point. And then we're like, okay, now what are we going to talk about? <laughs> so, right. so if you can uh, help boost our idea pool, that would be great. All right, what are we watching? What are we into? I am going to talk about my buddy Gil. Months and months and months ago, I don't know, I hope I didn't already talk about this, but my buddy Gil is a new friend. Uh, he wrote me an email and said, hey, I, I'm taking a vacation I live in Australia, Melbourne. I'm taking a, a vacation, and I want to come to New York and hang out with you. And just like I do all the time, I said, yeah, sure, come on by. And I completely forgot, and months and months go by. He's like, oh, we're still on. I'm coming in the week. And I was like, yeah, yeah, come on by. And like, I'm like, oh, my God, I panicked, and I checked. I'm like, okay, I got the window open. Anyway, Gil came, and he spent two days with us working. It was the week I made the, the frames. And he is a sweet, really sweet guy, Gil Pazianski. I'm sure I'm saying his name wrong, but the link is in the channel. The, the Kosha Tony Stark. And while he was here with me, we, he interviewed me. And there's a couple of videos of him interviewing me personally. But Gil is a maker, and he actually works for the city of Melbourne uh, developing maker spaces in the libraries and stuff. So uh, it was great to meet you, Gil. So hopefully uh, this will give you a little channel boost. And So check out Gil. Bob, I'm gonna have you go next, just in case I we're on the we're gonna pick the same thing. <laughs> I think we probably are. <laughs> okay, then, um, then I have a backup. I'll, okay. so I'll let you go next. Okay, good. So um, I've been listening to a new podcast. Tell me if I'm right. Yep, yep. Uh, the Modern Maker podcast, which is um, Ben Ueda, good friend of ours, Chris Salamoni, who I've never met in person, but seems like a super cool dude, and Mike Montgomery, who I also have never met, but seems like a super cool dude. All three of those guys are makers, woodworkers, and they all do modern furniture-type stuff. Um, all have kind of unique styles, but in the same area. They three got together and made a podcast, and they're five episodes in, and I think it's great. I think they have a great chemistry. Um, they're talking about some really good kind of central design stuff, design ideas, form and function and strengths and weaknesses and you know, where they came from and everything. <clears throat> and for being only five episodes in, I'm thoroughly impressed with how how well they've got it down. So I think this is going to be one of those podcasts that, uh, you know, 20 or 30 episodes from now is just like the essential listen for uh, for make maker-type people. So yeah, go check it out. I'll have it linked in the description. But you can also find it on iTunes and all that, the Modern Maker Podcast. <laughs> So here's the thing about this podcast. If I if you ask me to list my favorite woodworking or maker designers, all three of those people would would be probably in my top like 5. Yeah. Like they all of them make incredibly beautiful things. They they have amazing design skills and so it's, it's so cool that they're all together making this podcast, which just has a really good flow to it. So. Mhm. Mm yeah. 
All right, so my pick is his channel is called Steady Crafting by the Craftsman, C R A F S M A N, and they're they're fun little videos, and they're uh, they're they're crafty and. This guy never shows his face. He never shows his hands. He's always wearing gloves, so his identity is completely hidden. And the humor is very subtle, but I love it. And I normally don't like crafty videos with humor because humor is a really hard thing to pull off, uh, even though I try all the time and fail. <laughs> but um, uh, uh, usually I, I, when I watch these craft videos, I, I want to learn something. And with this one, I do learn something, and I get a little a little giggle every time. They're They're really... They're just really good, and it's a really small channel, and I wish it was bigger, and I wish huh. he made more videos. Interesting. Right, check that out. <clears throat> cool. Um, all right. Well, that I guess that's it for this week. Uh, before we go, i got to thank our Patreon supporters because they are what helps us keep doing this, and we really appreciate that. Um, also, thanks, everybody. for You know, we've been in and out for the last few weeks. We've had a couple of weeks where we've missed episodes. Thanks for hanging around and for being supportive and patient and stuff that it's really cool. You know, we don't get um, pushback from that that stuff. So we, we're really grateful for that. Um, but especially thanks to Make, Build, Modify and Luis Gonzalez. I got to say a special thanks to Justin, Make, Build, Modify. So he's he's one of our top patrons. And <clears throat> at that top level, we do a, a once a month hangout over Google Hangouts with those patrons after we record the show. The past several, uh, like six weeks or something, our shows, we've had to move days and we've had to move times and that messes up scheduling with when he's available to, you know, do the hangout. He was, he was like gracious enough to last month to just be like, don't worry about it this month. We'll just do it next month, which was this past Monday. And I had to tell him again, I'm sorry, man, we can't record on Monday. Is there any way we can push it to next week? And he was a great, again, super gracious to be like, yeah, sure. Whatever, whatever's cool. So that's really cool of you, and we, we're grateful for, for Justin and Luis and everybody else who supports us over there. It does mean a lot, so thank you guys. And if if you want to kind of join that group, go to patreon.com slash making it, uh, and yeah, that's that's a way to do it. Also, somebody was asking on Twitter if we had any shirts. David, do we have shirts? Good question. We do. <laughs> if you go to makingitpodcast.com, there will be a link in the right-hand column to where you can find shirts and sweatshirts. Yes, there you go. Hopefully someday we'll expand that out a little bit, but you know, maybe add some stickers or stuff. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe one of these days. Um, cool. Well, I'm glad that we are back on schedule, and thanks for being with us this week, and we'll see you next week. All right. Later. All right, guys. I'm going to stand up now. You guys want to turn your heads away from the camera? Okay, ready? Go. I, I mean, I bye. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. Screenshot. <laughs> <laughs>